This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 116. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. And I'm glad you're here. Our sponsor today is St. Michelle Wine Estates. They have a Shake the Vine contest going on. Go to shakethevine.com and uh, check out the contest. If you're listening to this on the day I release it, June the 30th, 2015, today's the last day to enter. So do it. Do it quick. You could win $1,000 towards your travel to uh, Tales of the Cocktail. There's eight prizes, eight finalists that will be chosen. And uh, the grand prize is $5,000. So go to shakethevine.com and check that out. Enter your cocktail and win. And meet me down there at Tales of the Cocktail, please. And if you're going to Tales of the Cocktail this year, please let me know. Email me at vince.bartender at gmail.com. And uh, Twitter, Barkeep Tips. You can find us on Facebook at Bartender Journey. Just search for Bartender Journey. That's all. Hey, we're listening to Versailles by Pierce Murphy. Our book of the week this week is Bartending for Dummies. And you may remember, if you've been listening for a long time, episode 51, we talked to Ray Foley, the author of Bartender for Dummies. Old school bartender, awesome dude. And uh, you, should, you should listen to that. Here's a little clip. You're in the business to make money. I mean, if you think you're going to make a good reputation that your mm-hmm. cocktail is better than anybody else's cocktail, we'll charge for it. Right. But you can't be going into a bar and um, have one bartender and take some 10 minutes to make the drink. Yeah. People are just going to be looking at you. Well, what's your thought on consistency with drinks? Like, should, you know, when, when you go into a, a bar, should the uh, bartender sort of have his own take on things or should every time the uh, the guests go into a bar the, that drink tastes the same no matter who makes it um, that's hard that's hard everybody's gonna make a manhattan their way or a martini their way or right you but know if they, it's, i go to the the great bars in new york and know how long the bartenders have been in those places the great bars for years right yeah 15 yeah. 20 years yeah yeah check out or whoever's listening to this check out how long the bartender lasts i'm just thinking of one particular bar in manhattan where uh the bartender had been there for 20 years or something and it was a great bar it was a great time you know where it's um i think if the bartender's been near more than 10 10 five five years or more then i think it's a great place because he's he's doing great the bar's doing great the white horse tavern that's what i was thinking of. well the white horse is an institution yeah that's a great place yeah uh, it's great great oh. it's, it's such a good time same man. guy still there was, yeah, and why isn't he leaving? Because it's a he, he's making money. Yeah, exactly. So I uh, I, I picked up your um, book, running a bar for dummies, and uh, I skimmed through. I can't claim that I read it cover to cover yet, but I skimmed through it, and uh, a couple of phrases I liked that kind of stood out to me. I wrote down. Uh, you talked about making your guests feel special, and uh, I, I agree with that 100. percent And that's something. I think it's all. I don't want to hear anything else more, but giving good service, and I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. I've always thought that was the most important thing. Let me tell you something. You're in this bar to give good service. Why? Why? So the guests have a good time and come back. And? And spend money. And tip you well. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's be honest about it. We're in this business to make money. If you're in this business to, to show off and be... Now, everybody... No, I see most of these bartenders, as soon as they get into business for a month or two months or six months, they're master mixologists and they... You know, come on, knock it off. You don't even know what you're talking about. 
Ray is a character, great guy, and uh, classic, classic uh, gentleman, classic bartender. So uh, go back to episode 51, take a listen to that. You can go to bartenderjourney.net and just search for Foley, F-O-L-E-Y, or uh, just type in to the search bar there on the upper right-hand side, 51, episode 51, and you'll find it there. And you'll also see a link to uh, buy Bartending for Dummies and also Running a Bar for Dummies, written by Ray Foley. What I'd like to talk about today is uh, gluten-free, uh, a um, industry news. You know, I've been doing this segment, Industry News, and uh, I read about it, another brand that's bringing out a certified gluten-free spirit, which is cool. Um, I personally have to eat gluten-free. Uh, I feel a lot better. I have something called non-celiac gluten sensitivity. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, I feel a lot better uh, when I eat gluten-free. Gluten-free is not like a fad diet. Um, some people think that it is. Some people, and some people even jump on the gluten-free bandwagon thinking that uh, it's some kind of fad diet that's going to make them skinny or feel better or whatever. That's not really uh, the case. You know, some, some people are sensitive to gluten and some aren't. Some are more sensitive to gluten than others. You know, obviously, <laughs> let's say right off the bat, I'm not a doctor. Don't take my advice whatsoever. Don't even listen to this. <laughs> but uh, this is my experience. I eat gluten-free. It makes me feel better. Um, and a doctor has confirmed that, that that's the case for me. Um, a gluten, celiac disease is a much more severe um, case or, or um, situation. And uh, so some people are more sensitive than others. Here's the thing about spirits. In my case, Spirits made with barley or hops or, or wheat are fine for me. And as I understand it, all the gluten is removed from the product in, in the process of distilling it. However, here's something I'm going to quote from the internet, which, you know, again, the internet is not a doctor. <laughs> the internet does not uh, have any authority uh, over this, and things that you read on the internet are not always true. But this comes from a website called celiacdisease.about.com, and I'll, I'll post a uh, link to this article on, on my website, bartenderjourney.net. Here's what it says. It is possible that distillation does not remove 100% of the gluten. Studies have been mixed on this point. Or, and this is the important part, that a small amount of gluten is added back in as a part of processing after distillation. In some cases, whiskey manufacturers add caramel coloring, which may contain gluten, or even a small amount of in undistilled grain mash after the distilling process. So, um, your, like your high-quality spirits generally do not add anything back in after distillation. But some of the less expensive brands, shall we say, do uh, to change the color, to change the flavor, whatever. Uh, so that's where some gluten may be reintroduced. Uh, and uh, this is, you know, it's an important topic because more and more people are becoming sensitive to it. And more and more people, you know, some, some claim to have to eat gluten-free, some, you know, some are more sensitive than others. But I guess the point I'm trying to get at is I think the question needs to be raised. Are these spirit companies using this as a marketing ploy or are they actually using it to protect people? Uh, it's a question. 
I think it is a good thing that they are, um, if it's certified gluten-free, awesome. People that are super sensitive to it and are really concerned can be uh, feel more confident about drinking something that's certified gluten-free. However, in my case, as someone who has this thing called non-celiac gluten sensitivity, I have not had a problem with uh, distilled spirits myself. So I think the question, how sensitive are you, is a valid question when you're, when you're uh, speaking with guests who say they need to um, eat and drink gluten-free as related to spirits. Beer is totally out of the question, unless you get a, uh, a gluten-free beer, which there are a few out there that are, um, that are, that are pretty good. There's a couple that are pretty good. There's, there's some that are pretty bad, but uh, they are available. And I think it's worthwhile um, stocking those in your bar. And cider, hard cider, is a uh, is a gluten free product, and that's that's also worthwhile stocking in your bar. And it's a uh, category that's really exploding right now. By the way, speaking of cider, Angry Orchard, which is a very popular brand of cider in uh, the USA, uh, was bought by Sam Adams, and Sam Adams has recently announced plans to um, move the manufacturing of Angry Orchard here to the Hudson Valley. So that's, uh, that's interesting news for, for the region where I live. I was at an event today, actually. Uh, it was all about craft distilling in, um, in the Hudson Valley and uh, blah, blah, blah. I won't get into that. But uh, the uh, lunch was served, and all that was served was sandwiches. And um, there was a young, young server there, and um, I told him I have to eat gluten-free. And he asked, and, you know, I said, uh, maybe I'll just take the bread off. And uh, he asked the right question, actually. I was, I, was, I was impressed. He was a young guy, and I was impressed that he asked the right question. He said, how sensitive are you? And that's, that's an important question when you're talking about gluten-free items because some people are very it's it's a spectrum if you're if you know anything about autism they talk about a spectrum it's the same thing with gluten-free uh sensitivity uh with celiac being the worst so this is an important issue for uh bartenders especially for if you're serving food at the bar even more so you know because um things like french fries are fried in the same fry in most cases most kitchens they're fried in the same fryer as, say, you know, whatever, chicken figures, which have wheat. And uh, that makes the French fries not truly gluten-free. Even though, even though the French fries didn't originally have flour on them, now they do. Be, now they're contaminated by the, um, by the oil because that fryer was used for the chicken fingers that were coated with breadcrumbs. So sorry. Anyway, a uh, podcast today about a um, serious subject. Not not as much fun as maybe uh, some of the others, but uh, that you know it's an important topic. I, I think we need we need to talk about it. All right, our toast is coming up. Sorry, it's kind of a short podcast this week, but hey, I got a lot of stuff going on, and uh, we got exciting stuff coming up, and including Tales of the Cocktail coming up very soon. Hey, if you're going to Tales of the Cocktail, first of all, make sure you submit your recipe if you can before on or before June 30th, 2015 at shakedivine.com and you could win a uh, trip to Tales of the Cocktail and and the grand prize is $5,000. 
Uh, like I said, exciting things coming up on Tales on uh, Bartender Journey, and uh, I have a beautiful book here called about vermouth, and uh, it's by Adam Ford, and we're trying to set up an interview with Mr. Ford uh, coming up in the near future, so we'll have that for you soon. And of course, uh, reports from Tales of the Cocktail. I think it's what is it, two weeks away or something? Uh, it's coming up real soon, so uh, a lot going on, and uh, our toast is coming right up. But I thank you for listening to Bartender Journey. And uh, as I always say, please get in touch. Right now, we're listening to Why Don't You by the Britmores. Please go to iTunes and leave a rating. Five stars being the most that you can leave. Five stars. I'm not telling you how many to leave. I'm just telling you that five is the most. And uh, we have our toast. Our toast to you. Here it goes. May the best of our past be the worst of our future. Cheers.